Hello there, and thanks for joining me today on the podcast. We're talking about the next generation. What will happen to them? Now, the other day I did part one of this conversation on the next generation. If you've not heard it or did not listen to it, I recommend that you do that first. Go back to the archives of the podcast and look at part one, which was just two days ago, entitled The Next Generation and What Will Happen to Them, part one. Now, today we're going to look at part two as we look at the next generation. Now, just to bring you up to date, last time we spoke we made this statement, as one generation goes, so goes the next. So how we live in our generation will to a large degree influence how the next generation will be raised and how they will behave and the lifestyle and the value system from which they will operate. We looked at rearing children from a variety of influences. The parents are not the only influence upon a child. In fact, the parent is one source of influence on a child. There are ten. And I identified the ten sources of influence that operate in the life of all children, all of our children. And um, parents do play a primary role, as do extended family members and friends and what are referred to as secondary parents, and then churches and institutions and cultural and political influences, you know, and so on. There are all kinds of influences that contribute. So when a parent says to me in my counsel, I failed, I did not do a good job as a parent, maybe there's some truth to that. But you're not the only source of influence. There are other people who gave a greater influence, perhaps, a stronger influence than you did. Or maybe a contrary influence and a point of view that was quite different and your kids bought into it. A lot of explanations as to why kids go one way or another. Or one of your children in the family behave and go one direction, and another child in your same family behave and go in a different direction. That's a complex question to ask. Why one did this and the other did that. But the answer is lies within the context of the ten sources of influence upon the life of a kid. Now the other thing I looked at was the idea of an orchestra. <clears throat> that the parent is essentially the orchestra director, the conductor. And all the parts have to play together and produce a harmonious song or theme or piece of music. It can't be a piece of music that's in dissonance, that just clashes and makes you feel eerie when you hear that music. An orchestra needs to play together in a harmonious way that blends all the sounds and all the pieces of music together. And that's what a parent does to these ten sources of influence on the life of a child. So think of yourself as an orchestra director. And all the influences are under your direction and under your control. So let them operate. Let them be utilized. Let them play out. But keep tabs on them. Keep control of them. You know, make sure they all mix. And they're all saying the same message. The same value system. They're all contributing to uh, the behavior pattern that you want to establish in your children in your home. We can't have kids, you know going in one direction you know, on Monday and going in a different direction on Tuesday. 
or going in one direction when they're home and going in a very different direction when they're at school or somewhere else. So then we concluded yesterday or the other day with the idea of the parent manifesto. Okay, it was a parent manifesto, such as parents must live an exemplary life and a life that's consistent before their children. Okay? And also that parents are to teach and instruct their children in the way that they shall go. And that instruction should be value-based. So if you didn't listen, I recommend that you go back and pick up part one. Now we go on to part two of the parent manifesto. I'm going to give you just a number of little points here that these are the parent manifestos that um, are very important, okay? Here's, here's the first one for today. Parents are to look for and capitalize upon the teaching moments that occur in the part of everyday living. You know, informal teaching opportunities come naturally. There are situations that arise kind of uniquely and at a particular point in time in life. There are ethical values, moral ethicals, there are, there are moral decisions that are right before you. And it's important that you make a positive lesson out of every teaching moment that occurs within your home or that occurs with your children. As an example, a child may come home having failed an examination. Now that's a teaching moment. Are you going to condemn the kid for that? Are you going to criticize the kid for that? Are you going to put down the kid for that? Or are you going to work with the child to help him learn the skill of what mistake was made and how to improve on that mistake in the in the future? Are you going to help the child learn what was not totally learned for that particular examination or opportunity for learning? In other words, here's a teaching moment of how a kid can survive a low grade or a failing grade and come out feeling that there's hope for the future. That's just a simple example, but all kinds of teaching opportunities occur in the life of a child, day upon day. We need to look for those as parents, and we need to capitalize on them and make them into teaching moments. <clears throat> child makes a decision, doesn't go so well. You're going to criticize the kid for that? Or are you going to say, let's back it up. How could that mistake have been uh, prevented? How can we come out of that better so we're standing on our feet and we're learning from it? That's what a teaching moment is. Here's number two. Parents must set clear and positive expectations for each of their children. They're different for different kids. You know, different ages. But parents are to reinforce a child whenever expectations are met. Whenever expectations are met. You have expectations for child A different than expectations for child B. Could be age. Could be that one's a boy, one's a girl. You know, one is, if you will, a little bit more capable than the other. One likes music, one likes sports, one likes something else. Whatever it is, you have different expectations. But if a child meets the expectation, or comes close to meeting it, or at least approaches it, or improves in the area of expectation, reinforce it, reward it, praise it, commend, you know, celebrate. The fact that the child didn't reach the goal, but approached it, did better than he's done before. That's what expectations are. They're to set a goal or set a, a standard. If kids meet it, praise, celebrate. If kids almost meet it, praise and celebrate that. Okay, here's another one. 
Parents are to positively reinforce all positive, appropriate, and desirable behavior, whether it's intentional or whether it's incidental. Parents are to positively reinforce all approximations of the desired behavior attempted by a child. That just means if a child tries, commend them for trying. If a child improves a little bit, commend them for improving a little bit. If a child speaks about wanting to do better, praise them for that. If a child says something that would give you a little bit of hope that things will get better in the future, praise them for that. All positive and appropriate and desirable behavior, praise. If it's a, if something you like, praise it. Something you like a little bit, praise it. Here's another one. Parents must not take a child's hope away. Live within the home, or life within the home, should always reflect an attitude of hope, not doubt. The home should reflect a hopeful spirit of I can do it, you can do it, we can do it. It should not prevail on a discouraging spirit such as you can't do that or no we can't do that. That's impossible. That's negativism. That's discouragement. Your home should be a place of hope. Some research that was done many, many years ago found that women, girls that achieve, do so because they had a father that was encouraging, had a father that was supportive, a father that said, you can do it, you can do it, go ahead and try it, I know you can do it. It'll be tough, but you'll be able to handle it, you can do it. If a father gives that message to their kids, those kids will be achievers. If mothers say those things, that's powerful. It's more powerful if it comes from the father, by the way. Now, live with hope in the home. Here's another one. Parents shall initiate a system of personal responsibility for each child starting at age three. Okay? Age three. That's when you introduce chores. That's when you introduce little responsibilities of of uh, taking care of their own little room, maybe perhaps making their bed or helping to make the bed, picking up their clothes, helping to pick up their clothes, straightening the room or helping to straighten the room. In other words, at age three, they begin to take on responsibility. And any time a child does something, is responsible, praise them, commend them. These are teaching opportunities. Okay? Here's another one. Parents need to allow for a gradual amount of independence to be experienced by each child at the appropriate age level. You see, independence, the purpose of independence is that if, okay, you make your decision, now, from that you can learn that you can be trusted or not trusted. You can learn that your decision making is good or it's not good. It's mature or it's not mature. It's healthy or it's not healthy. It's right or it's not right. It's ethical or not ethical. It's honest or not honest. See, you don't know how your children will operate until you give them a degree of independence, opportunity to make their own decisions, opportunity to carry on some task all by themselves independently. See how they function. Give them a chance to do something that they want to do but on their own, and then watch and see how they carry that out. And again, if they do it well, if they do it honestly and with integrity and with consistency. Praise them for that. Let them know that that is good, but you also then 
can learn to trust them a little bit better. If they have a pattern, a record of, of positive independent behavior, of honest independent behavior, of responsible independent behavior, reliable independent behavior, you see, then you can trust your kid a little bit more. Trust is learned. A parent learns to trust a child by what a child does when he's alone, when you're not with him, when you're not looking. And here's the last one for today. Parents must intentionally devote time to establish the family bonds, family unity, family identity, build family memories. There's an old adage that I use many times. It goes like this. It takes a long time to make an old friend. You see, and that's really what this is all about, about family bonds and family memories. Over the years, over lots of years of time, when the children are young and when they get a little older and so on, over the years, you build memories. You do things together as a family that are unusual or different or memorable in some way. And you build within that child or within the children a sense that they are a family, that they have a bond within the family unit that they have a commitment to the family, that they have an identity with the family, they have a, uh, an ownership within the family. Very, very important that you do things that will make your family unique, make your family stand out from other families, make your family a positive family of influence in your community. You want your kids to be proud of your family. You want your kids to be proud to bring somebody home to your family and share your family life with them. That's what you want. And that's how you do it. You build this sense of team, identity, teamwork. You're one. You're unified. You're a unit. And that's what you want to build within your family. That's what you want your kids to establish. Now, within that context, we have to remember this. That you're, as parents, you have a great deal of influence. As a parent, you have a powerful role of influence in the life of your child. Have a direct influence on them, but also orchestrate the other influences that operate on the life of your child. Make sure that you are a parent who is parenting. You want to be a parent that parents. You're the first parent a child ever has. You want to be the best parent. A child ever had. You want to be the first teacher the child's ever had. You want to be the best teacher that your child has ever had. But you have to remember now, your children are living in a world more than ever that is multicultural, multi-ethnic. You know, we have in our communities now a growing presence of the Muslim population. They bring a different value system. They bring a different way of life. We have to understand that. Our children are exposed to that kind of thing. Also, our children are exposed now to what we call the individual educational plans. You don't have to go to a public school anymore. You go to a private school. You can go to a charter school. You can do homeschooling. You do all kinds of schooling possibilities. So we've seen a shift there. So it's not just a matter of just going to school. It's a matter of going to what kind of school and which school. We're in a, we're in a culture, we're in a community now where the church, unfortunately, has lost some of its impact on our kids. And we have a family unit that's disappearing. Dads are not available. Dads are not home. Dads are not in the home. Dads have abandoned the home. Dads have abandoned our kids. 
We have many phantom fathers, but we don't have a lot of involved, connected fathers. So our kids are living in that kind of a world. Our kids are living in an expanding global market world. The global world. People are coming to our country and to our doorsteps from everywhere in the world, more than ever. And our government plays a greater role in the life of the family than ever before as well. Shaping the way that parents can parent, that teachers can teach, that churches can uh, influence our children. Government's playing a great role in that. As a parent, you need to be aware of all of these, I'll call them restrictions, or all these barriers, or all these limitations, all these little uh, fences that are built up around your children and around you as a parent and around you as a family. These are ex experiences and exposures that maybe you didn't have as a child yourself, but your children do. And you have to be able to provide for that. So anyway, nice to be with you, and um, thanks for joining us today. Bye for now.